and I guess probably one of the biggest things that we're starting to see is that we're nimble and we're, you know, we can be agile as well. Just a flat white, thanks. Hello, when you're in business, there's always something to talk about. Sales, marketing, operations, finance, there's always a project happening. We get to chat to a ton of different businesses in our agency, and so we wanted to take this time to learn more about what's working for them, what's not working for them, how they're managing their teams, how they're achieving growth in a challenging market, and we hope you can get a bunch of value out of it. This episode, we're talking to Jared Hurst. Jared is the founder and CEO of Servers Australia. Servers are Australia's largest privately owned hosting and infrastructure company, and they have a really, really cool story. In the episode, Jared and I touch on building a business from the ground up, literally from his bedroom, being really nimble, especially during times of unrest or disruption like we're in right now. We also touch on people versus tech, uh, the vital role that they both play and how they, they work in, in harmony together and really just staying focused, how Jared's been able to ensure that he stays focused and that his entire organisation stays focused right through this period of disruption and really focuses on their customers. Really hope you enjoy this one. It was a ton of fun to record. Enjoy. All right. Thank you, Jared, for joining us on the podcast. First and foremost, just to get a, a clear understanding for anyone that's listening of the history of the early days of servers, uh, it's, a, it's a pretty cool story and one that definitely needs to be told. Do you just want to give us a quick rundown on, I guess, the early iteration of, of how you started the business and, and what it was like in the early days? Yeah, sure. So thanks for having me. Um, it's great to tell the story. It's... Um, it's interesting, you know, a lot of people think that it's it's a young business, but um, it's actually been going for a, a fair while. Um, started as a sort of a bit of an idea uh, back in high school to do computer repairs, a um, bit of web hosting here and there. Mm. And then it, it grew out of um, maybe, you know, a year 11 and 12 sort of project really in, in business studies. And um, I really started to, to like not only the um, technical aspect of it, but also the business side. I think a lot of people just go into business with that idea of, oh, I've got this idea, but don't have that, you know, understanding of business along the way. Mm. And then from there, I um, decided that I wanted to not only provide really good localized Australian hosting, but also good customer service. So they were the two things that we sort of started working on. Yep. And then, um, yeah, it just kind of rapidly expanded. No one else was doing it. Back in 2006, 2007, there was just no one in the in the industry from there we expanded into dedicated servers which was physical infrastructure and then uh, out through into co-location and then out into wholesale services which included voice over ip uh, adsl wholesale services and then we started growing into uh, an era of you know 2011 to say 13 um, of doing 50 to 100 different products yeah big product suite yeah, big <laughs> that's changed a lot now. Uh, yeah. The company today only sells uh, three core products mm -hmm. uh, with a fourth uh, being added right now. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, very big uh, learning curve. So it's been a, 
a huge uh, learning curve for me personally over the last 15 years, especially and coming straight out of high school. Yeah, straight out of the gate. So did you did you have any any job before starting Service Australia or this was lock, stuck and barrel, this was it? Uh, not a full-time job, no. Yeah. Um, so I had a couple of um, great, uh, you know, small little jobs along the way, like part-time jobs. Um, some really good mentors actually that, that I learned business from uh, in those little jobs in Tari. Um, the business was all in Tari. I had some really good opportunities to work alongside some other small businesses where I learned how to, you know, deal with customer service, how to, um, you know, process books and invoicing and learn all those little tricks that, you know, you would normally go to uni or TAFE for, I guess. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I kind of learned hands on mm-hmm. and yeah, went from there. Right. And along the, I think something that's really cool about Service Australia, I guess your name really lends itself to this statement a little bit is you you're in an industry that is i mean it, it it's tech related so you know everyone everyone loves to talk about those types of industries but it's very very in a lot of ways it's very global there's sort of a lot of consolidation there's, there's big players and then and then small players and you've got a you've sort of got this history of sort of scale in the australian market through through organic growth, through sort of aggressive growth, marketing, and then obviously um, acquisitions and things like that. Can you sort of just explain or unpack servers versus the rest of the market, how you're positioning your business, how that how servers is positioned against the rest of the market? Yeah, and it's, it's really cool um, how people do ask that because, you know, people say to me, all the time. Why don't you just sell out to one of the large corporations that are coming through and, and buying everyone else? And, mm. you know, you look around and, and there's a lot of small businesses uh, like myself that have started up uh, around the same time that, that we started and they're being acquired by the large um, US-based firms. And it's it's destroying their, well, I mean, it's good for them, but it's destroying the business of the little Australian guy, right? Mm. The difference for us is that, you know, it was a passion for me 15 years ago and I think that passion is still here. I don't want yep. to be just here to, to earn money. I mean, you know, yourself, right? This is a this is a passion. So mm. we don't want to compete with them. We mm. work in our own space. We do our own little thing. Um, we're a niche provider. We like to, to manage our customers' um, services. We like to handhold them, provide that different service rather than just a a commodity service or, uh, you know, you're a number when you call us. Mm. That's where I think the difference is um, for us. And so for me, we don't want to sell out to a big player where they will just come in, you know, inject their stuff um, in, into this business and or swallow the, the name and the brand into their own business and then destroy the last 15 years of, of what we've been uh, trying to build up. And so it's not all about a, a race to the bottom sometimes. Um, you know, we can be a little bit more expensive being an Australian provider, doing localised 24 by 7 support, um, all those little key things that, that make us different. So, yeah. Okay. That, that's sort of where we're heading. Yeah, yeah. And how do you see that playing out for Service Australia long term? And at the same time, I guess, that would logically lead into creating a, a, a position in a market for a business such as yourselves, like you're a game, I would imagine you go up in tenders and things for potential customers against some big players that would just 
be able would would be or would be able to wash the Australian market with cash and capital and and really just sort of compete from a dollar point of view. How do you approach creating growth for Service Australia in, in that kind of a market? Um, I think there's there's two things. It's the the first question is, you know, there's only like us and maybe one other person left in the Australian market that is Australian owned. Yeah. So that that's kind of how we're going to survive in the next um, you know five to ten years, mm-hmm. as long as we can stay that way. Um, and the second question is, we are, you know, we never really try and go up against anyone. And yeah, sure, they can wipe us out with cash or anything like that. It's got to be about what you can sell, you know, like or your product, your value, really. Mm-hmm. Um, people see the value, and they also understand sometimes that having your data hosted here is more important than you know, saving a thousand dollars and putting it offshore. Mm. I mean, data sovereignty is, is such a big issue right now that sometimes with the big tenders, um, you know, trust is, is just one thing. Money's not everything to, to the end user. So a lot of the times we, you know, we don't encounter that, um, mm. in a big tender, it always mm-hmm. comes down to, you know, who, where we're dealing like the relationship side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, uh, selling the benefits of an Australian provider, you know, locally owned data is all stored here. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, no VCs uh, from overseas are investing in us or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess probably one of the biggest things that we're starting to see is that we're nimble and we're, you know, we can be agile as well. So yeah, we can move and twist and do whatever we need to do for the customer um, mm-hmm. as they need, but also, mm-hmm still have that strict processes and, and policies that we need to have to keep uh, keep their you know stuff online and, and all that sort of stuff yeah right okay just on that on on that that you know being very nimble um, that's obviously a really hot button topic at the moment because businesses are you know getting their workforces to operate from home and yeah. everyone's you know meeting via zoom like we are now um, what do your, I guess, how do you see your business? Everyone's migrating to the cloud, left, right, and center. How do you see your business sort of supporting that, that, that huge mass migration? That you know, I've 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 heard some comments recently. It, it's five years worth of change accelerated or compressed, sorry, into like a a ninety or one hundred and twenty day window. That's pretty insane. How do you see your business supporting Australian businesses that are trying to just grapple with that? It's been super challenging. And if you asked me this six months ago, my answer would have been totally different. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know, we, we were forecasting and we're completely unfunded other than, you know, some small uh, lines of, of funding that we have, but you know, we don't have this VC funding that comes in. So yeah. trying to fit, um, I think we did, you know, nearly two years worth of orders in, in 30 to 60 days. Yeah. And for us to fund that um, and then not only fund it, but also provision it was just an absolute nightmare. Mm. And and to say that we didn't have issues would I'd be lying. Mm. So, you know, we've had uh, a huge amount of issues, but I think the key um, that we've learned through this is that when you're doing it is to communicate with your customers, communicate with, um, you know, the all the stakeholders that are involved, suppliers, um, potential customers, all those sorts of things. Because if you're growing and, um, you know, you, it's an unprecedented time like we're in, right? Everyone is uh, accepting of the fact that, you know, you're doing them a favor. They're also doing you a favor. So 
people needing to move to the cloud, they didn't expect it, and we didn't expect that workload either. We went um, exact numbers. I'm not sure, but it was something like four times our capacity over what we had for bandwidth. Mm -hmm. um, and so we had to provision four times more um, what our bandwidth was. So give you an exact number is 180 gigabits. I'm not sure what it was previously of domestic transit is what we're doing now, um, which is just insane. I mean, no large Australian business sees 180 gigabits of traffic um, across the network at any one time. So for us, this is just insane to be able to provision it and then manage it and, and keep it online. Yeah, and that's that's pretty monstrous growth. And and in that, could you just maybe for for anyone who's listening who's not super up on the tech piece, um, could you just sort of give us an understanding of what lines are there between the the, the people element of your business and the technology elements? So obviously, you know, you've, you've got servers, you've got infrastructure, you've got technology, but you know, I've, I've got this saying people at the end of the day, people buy from people and you were talking about trust earlier. Has it been this scale up that this rapid sort of growth you've had recently, has that been something that's come through technology infrastructure and your people or one or the other? And how have you got them to sort of work together? I think it's both. Um, and I think that, yeah, people, people absolutely buy from people and that's, been very challenging through um, you know this whole lockdown period and, and we're not being not being able to see people but zoom has obviously made that you know and video calling has made that possible but the technology has also made that very interesting but our people I would say being able to say to you know our customers or our potential customers yes we can make this happen with the technology we have or we can source the technology um, or we could do 50% of your project now and 50% in 30 days has made a huge difference. We've learned though through, you know, having a relationship or an open relationship with customers, they're able to come to us and say, Hey, we're looking to do this. What do you think? And then What's we say, well, actually, yeah. yeah, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> um, and that's never going to happen <laughs> during yeah. this time because yeah. it's a 60 day lead time on hardware. Yeah. What we can do is we can give you something that's similar as a short-term fix for the next mm. two months or three months until we can get mm. that capacity or that stock. And so I think, you know, being open, being honest and having that open relationship rather than just um, going online and, and ordering something yourself or, or buying something yourself or trying to deploy it yourself um, is a far better way to, to do it by talking to someone, you know, be it us or anyone really having that conversation getting the feedback and then, you know, our engineers knowing what capacity we have, what we have planned in the pipeline, all those sorts of things. So yeah, technology and people both combined, I think um, make that difference. Okay. And what's your head count at the moment? You have a pretty big team there right now, around 50? Around 50, yeah. There's around yeah. 50 here, all based in um, Wyong and yeah. a couple up in Brisbane. Yeah. So how have you, that's obviously a, that's an, a, a significant number of people to manage through a process of you're dealing with a significant number of people, A, B, massive growth, C, lockdown, where I'd imagine a number of your staff are working remotely or there's a, some unique working circumstances. As a CEO, well, founder and CEO, I should say, what was your, what's your take on that? Like what, what, what did you find really worked through that process? So we 
about four or five years ago, decided that we would move the entire company to laptops anyway. So the shift we're working remotely was not really a huge deal. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, everyone's issued a, a work laptop and a voice over IP phone. The biggest challenge for us was, um, I think, losing the social presence. So we're a very social office here. So technology-wise, we had absolutely no issues. It was just that managing that social thing, that aspect. But what we uh, actually did was we surveyed the staff, got feedback from them. Um, we did work weekly surveys on you know how do we improve staff engagement. We measured our staff engagement, and we still do. We've been doing this for two or three years. But we you know upped the staff engagement during the lockdown, and then we we uh, sought feedback from them on you know, what would make your work week better. So we sent out care packages. We, I personally delivered a care package to every employee. Um, we sent around a coffee van uh, a couple of weeks ago. We did pajama days. We did you know virtual drinks on Friday. We sent out Domino pizza vouchers to everyone so we could do virtual lunches. So we tried to keep the engagement up um, because whilst we were also really busy, we understood that keeping interactive with all the staff would keep them from going crazy. Yeah, yeah, you know, they couldn't go anywhere as it is. And, um, you know, it keeps the team engaged. And yeah. the most important part of a team is that you are a team and you work together and that, you know, um, for example, like Kylie and Billing can talk to Jaden in the Network Operations Centre, you know, that those conversations can freely happen still. So I think that that's, that's super important. Um, and then the development team as well can talk across to the billing team or the, the network operations team. So it was really important that we kept all those team members engaged as a team and we didn't silo anyone out. Yeah. Yeah, that's similar for us. Something we've been talking about is it's all well and good to say, oh, remote working is new normal and going to work from home or whatever. But there's also this piece around it's on the company and the individual employees to input that extra effort to stay connected. It doesn't just spontaneously happen necessarily as easily as it does when you're in an office together. No, absolutely not. And it's a huge challenge. And I reckon personally, a lot of businesses will um, do it for a point and then bring people back into the workforce. I mean, it's, it's not something that I could continue doing <laughs> for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I can appreciate that. And to, to wrap it up then, just interested to get your take on the crystal ball, if you will. Where do you see your industry going in, you sort of mentioned five, 10 years, but yeah, five, 10, 15, 20 years. How, like, it's hard to forecast that far ahead with tech, but how, how do you see it unpacking in the years ahead? Because it's, um, it's definitely a fast moving space. Yeah, it's a, a, a space that is just changing rapidly. Um, and I mean, people that wanted to move to the cloud last year in, in two years are moving this year. So what's going to happen next year? I'm not really sure. Um, but what we're doing is we're trying to basically deploy, uh, you know, products, applications, um, services, all those sorts of things that, um, meet the demand and need of a customer, not necessarily what we think the customer needs. So, you know, as I was saying before, we're sort of a little bit different to all the, the larger companies where they just go out and do whatever and then people sort of buy it and it kind of fits the needs. We try and listen to customer feedback. 
see what the customer needs and then mold us like that molds us to where we need to go in the next 12 to 18 months, five years. So um, we're not doing any public cloud, which is really weird. Like a lot of people go, why are you not doing public cloud? You know, like there's enough public cloud players in the market and there's no need for another one. Um, staying focused. So for us, yeah. yeah, we're staying focused on what we do really well at. Um, we'd rather do four really good products and deliver an exceptional service than try and, and double in every market. So the next 12 to 18 months for us, um, we have private cloud coming, which is very unique here in Australia. Um, and we've got an awesome product for that. So I think, you know, once we get that launched in the next couple of months, we'll be focusing on that. And then obviously all of our other products that we also still sell. But yeah, technology wise, we want to do what we want to do for the customer. Uh, and the customer wants us to do and not worry about what everyone else is doing just because they're doing it and it's cool like it's a new buzzword yeah yeah focus on what your customers actually need and and serve yeah. and serve them accordingly and and you know i think that that's where a lot of businesses um sort of steer off in the wrong direction they see their competitor doing something and they're like oh we should do that because they're doing it and yeah and so you know we did that a long time ago and and pete um my business partner who came in actually later on in the picture, but he's our CTO here and he's um, he's very good at, at sort of going, okay, well, this is what we're we're driving now. This is the technology. You know, it doesn't matter what everyone else is using. This is the best platform for the company. And, um, you know, this is what we need to use as a business to make sure that, you know, our customers are going to get the best possible experience, even though it's going to cost us X amount of money or whatever it might be. That's where we need to head for the next you know, five years or, or whatever it might be. So I think it's, that's that's really important to, to myself and, and the whole business to make sure that, you know, we're going to be here in the next 10 years. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jared, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And I uh, hope to talk again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Hey, we know time is super hard to come by these days. So thanks for joining us here on Talks. Hope to chat to you again next time. Just paying for the coffee, thanks.